Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you would turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and uh, just as we've been doing uh, last week, um, as we're going through the book of Matthew, since I've already done a a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, we're just going to do a quick overview of the Sermon on the Mount as we're going through these. Um, Last week we covered chapter 5, this week we'll cover chapter 6, and next week we'll cover chapter 7. There's a lot of material. Last week I counted there were seven sermons that I had preached on the chapter 5 before, all crammed into 40 minutes. I didn't even look at how many there were on this passage, but I'm thinking probably four or five at the very minimum, um, and that's going to be crammed into one sermon as well. So we may not get into the real details of things, uh, but I don't want to go too shallow either, so that's a real challenge, knowing exactly at what level uh, to, to cover. But the big idea that we're getting here today, I think, Jesus is teaching His disciples not to practice their faith like the world does. Everybody believes something and has some kind of religion. We all worship. It's just a matter of who we worship. And even those who deny that they worship, um, they worship something and they usually worship themselves. Or they worship money. Or they worship sex or drugs or whatever. They're worshiping something. Uh, Bob Dylan in his song, uh, um, you got to serve somebody, said it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. Um, but uh, Jesus here is saying, don't practice your religion, don't practice your uh, faith like the world does. There's a way that the world uh, does their religion. We're not to be like that. We're to practice our faith in a different way. And That way means that we're going to trust God. Not seek after our own glory, not seek after our own fame or uh, our own goodness or reward in this world for the things we've done, but to trust God that He will take care of all things. Let's go ahead and look at the first part of our text. I'm just going to read through the first part, and as we get to each part, uh, I'll, I'll read those individually. Beginning in chapter 1 of chapter 6, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may be, that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. Lord, give me strength to preach Your Word. Give me grace. Every one of my needs, 
every one of my good deeds is mixed with sin and its motivations. Lord, I pray that you give me grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't usually do this, um, but, but for today, um, I, I try to have some kind of memorable way to kind of think of all these things. So I've used alliteration. Um, today, the first point here we're going to look at is don't serve for self-centered incentive. Um, we're not serving, we're not practicing our righteousness for self-centered incentive. We're not doing it for a reward for ourselves. Jesus says here, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen by them. That's a self-centered incentive. We want, we want other people to see us. We want other people to, to look at us and think, oh, they're such a good person for what they've done. Uh, whether it be giving to the poor, whether it be delivering a meal for someone, whether it be giving someone a ride, any of those things, we're not to do those kinds of things in order that we receive the glory. Now, uh, as I mentioned last week, there is a tension here. There's a tension uh, because last week we saw that Jesus said, you are the... See... Let your light shine before others so that they see your good works and they give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's this tension. On the one hand, in the same sermon, Jesus warns us not to do our works before men to be seen by them, but He tells us in the exact same sermon, do your good works before men. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. It doesn't mean we don't do good works. It means that when we do good works, we want God to receive the glory. We minimize what we have done. Uh, you know, if somebody says, Oh man, I can't believe you did that, just say, It was my duty. I'm, I'm, I'm only doing what Jesus called me to do. It's, it's, it's Him. It's Him that receives the glory. And that's, that's what we're to do. And, and this carries over to our giving. Uh, Jesus says, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Um, the people in Jesus' day, you know, uh, and, and I think it's probably like that today, maybe, maybe they would sound this trumpet or, or they'd shout uh, and say, Look at what I'm doing. I'm, uh, maybe they come up to the giving um, box or whatever that they would have had at the time and, and stuck that in there. Maybe, maybe uh, they, they uh, you know, mixed in some other little metal tin pieces or something so that whenever it went into the box, it would sound like it was more than it really was or something like that. You know, uh, you know we can imagine what they might do to try to draw attention to themselves when they were giving. And Jesus says not to do anything like that, but to do so in secret. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. The reward that they get whenever they're drawing attention to themselves is here in this world. It's, ah, people look at them like they're great people and stuff, but that's all the reward they get. There's no reward in heaven for it. They get their reward in people seeing what they've done. People think they're a good person and everything. 
But there's nothing that carries over into the future. They've gotten their reward right here, but it's nothing lasting. It's nothing that, nothing that will last into eternity. Jesus says here, verse 3, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now here I think Jesus may be exaggerating a little bit. I mean, this expression here, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Um, basically, he's, he's, he's making this statement just to say, be secretive. It, be so secretive that your right hand doesn't even know what your left hand is. You know, we can't possibly do that. That's, that's uh, not even possible for us to do it. But I think he's, he's speaking in, some, in, in a kind of an exaggerated language to let us know, be really, really, really secretive so that... So that um, you don't try to give so that other people will look at you and praise you for that. Instead, give not wanting to draw attention to yourself. So that your giving may be in secret, verse 4, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There is a reward. Now, some might look at this text and say, we don't want to give so that we receive a reward. That's not what it's saying at all. We don't want our reward to be just here on earth. We don't want our reward just to be the praise of men. We want our reward to be that God is pleased, that He sees what we have done, and we want to receive a reward from Him one day when we stand before Him and He says to us, well done, good and faithful servant." Moving on from there. That is, oh, by the way, that is how the world gives. That is how the world does their good works because they want to see, be seen by men. We're to be done, we're to do so in secret and not be like the world. Moving on. The Lord, uh, not the Lord's Prayer. I said, don't serve for self centered incentive now. Don't pray like hypocrites and heathens. Alliteration hypocrites and heathens. I know. Um, here, Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And we know what hypocrites are. Nobody likes a hypocrite. One, someone who says one thing and does another. right? And Jesus here points out that there's hypocrisy in the prayers of people in His day. He said, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. I say to you that they have their reward. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. He says to pray the same way we give. Not out in the open so that everybody sees us. Now, does that mean we don't pray in public? You know, we've had prayer as a part of our service. I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's not, praying, don't, he's not saying don't pray publicly. But what he's saying is not to, you know, when we, when we pray, not to do it for show. And not to do it out in the open so that people will look at us and think, oh, they're, they're, they're so super religious and everything. No, no, we don't do that. We want to pray in secret. Now, something that maybe might strike us at the heart and we might ask ourselves, especially for somebody like me, because I do a lot of praying in public, is do I end up praying more in public than I do in, per in private? 
You ever ask yourself that question? Is the only time I pray whenever I'm getting up in front of people to lead in prayer? That's that's uh, that's a striking question to ask, and uh, I've heard uh, I've heard preachers admit that sometimes their prayer lives are are that way, and I have to admit myself. Sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes my prayer life is so weak that the only time that I feel like I pray is whenever I'm in front of people or around the dinner table with the kids or things like that. Jesus calls us to pray in private. To pray to Him in secret so that He sees us in secret. He knows what's the real motivation of our hearts when we do it in private. He always knows what the real motivations of our hearts are, whether they're in private or in public. But in private, we're who we really are. In public, we want, we want everybody to see our best face. But in private, we're who we really are. And so that's the way Jesus wants us to pray. To pray privately so that God will... We're not doing it just to be seen by men. We're not doing it for the praise of people. Again, also with this, don't pray like the hypocrites and heathens. Verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't heap up many empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard by their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Um, sometimes we might wonder when we pray, am I saying it right? Especially for a new believer. You know, Am I doing this right? Am I praying right? We don't have to worry about saying the right words or getting everything just right. We don't have to worry about getting all the theological stuff all correct. We just talk to God. We keep it simple. Uh, here Jesus condemns keeping up big words and things like that. God loves short prayers. Amen? Especially at dinner time. <laughs> God loves short prayers. He commends short prayers. And not, not that we don't spend time in extended prayer. But we don't have to Keep up all kinds of words and do everything you'll just write. It's just simple, just talking to God in simplicity. And He's pleased with that. And He gives us a model for how we pray. Not to be like the hypocrites that go out and pray so that everybody can see them. Not to be like the heathens that just babble a bunch of words thinking they'll be heard because of how many words they use. But He gives us a model Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the way the... English Standard Version has it. You maybe, you maybe know that there's a, another additional part that you see in the Gospel of Luke. Um, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus here gives us a model for how we are to pray. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Well, what are some of the things we see about this prayer? One thing is it's short. It's following the very advice He tells us in the verse before. It's not 
Some kind of long, flowery prayer. It's just simple. And it covers the basic needs we have. The first thing it tells us is to pray, Our Father in Heaven. So, in Jesus' day, a regular Jew would not address God as Father. They would see God as more of a distant person. But Jesus taught us to pray to Him with a relationship of a trusting child with their father. So we can come to God as our Father and we recognize Him for who He is. He's in heaven. He's ruling over everything. Hallowed be your name. Now this is a, a, this is a desire. We're asking that God was make, would make His name holy. That would set apart His name for glory. We're, our desire is that people around us People in our communities would, would find God to be holy. That's what it's saying whenever we say, hallowed be your name. God, make the world bow down before you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We know Jesus is coming again one day. As He ascended into heaven and the disciples were all standing around, a couple of angels came up and said, what are you guys looking into the sky for? He's coming back the same way He left. And one of these days, He's coming again. One of these days, when He comes again, we're going we're gonna to meet Him in the air. The Bible tells us. The trumpet will sh- sound and, and uh, the, the dead will be raised. And we'll see Him face to face. So we pray that His kingdom would come, that Jesus would return. Your will be done. We pray for justice to be done here on this earth. It's perfectly done in heaven. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want justice to be done. We want good laws in our world. We want God's will to be done here on earth. We look at the world and see how broken it is and we see sickness and sadness and death and drug addiction and immorality and all these different things. We look at the world and we say, let God's will be done on earth just as it is in heaven right now this moment. And then we pray, give us this day our daily bread. He tells us to ask Him for the things we need. To ask Him for the things we need. Give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't tell us to ask for a Ferrari or a mansion in this world. He tells us to ask us for the simple things. Our daily bread. Maybe you can extend that to... Lord, take care of me. Let me have my rent money that I need for this week, for this month. Lord, help me pay the electric bill. Lord, help me pay the water bill. Lord, let me pay my credit card bills whenever I don't know where the money's coming from. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The debts language here is talking, I think, about our sins. We have sinned against God and we're asking that God would forgive us of our... We owe God because of our sin. We owe a debt. 
Now, Jesus came and paid our debt. We are, if we're looking to Him, we have been forgiven. Our debt is wiped clean. But when we pray, we say, forgive us our debts just as we also forgive the uh, others, our debtors. Jesus teaches throughout the Gospels, if we want to show that we're really forgiven, then we need to forgive others as well. A changed heart. You know, when, when God forgives us, He changes our hearts, and we now have the power to forgive others because we've been forgiven so much. Um, then finally, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us into evil, but, but deliver us from evil. Here, you know, every day we face a constant battle of temptation. And what God, what, what Jesus is here teaching us to, to do is if we want victory over that, we want to we every day wake up and pray, God, keep me from temptation. Protect me from that. Help me not to give in to it. Pray, deliver me from the evil one. And that's what our prayer should be. Recognizing God for who He is. Asking Him to take care of our daily needs. Asking Him to forgive us and to help us forgive others whenever they trespass against us. And also to help us to live this life and to fight against temptation. All of those things we need to include in our daily prayer. Verse 14. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you for, do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There, I think Jesus is commenting on verse 12, which I've already talked about. So we've seen don't serve for self-centered incentive. We've seen don't pray for like the hypocrites and heathens. Now, we don't fast with a frowny face. <laughs> that one took a little bit of working to get come up with. Here Jesus says about fasting, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and that their fasting may be seen by others. We want to draw attention to ourselves. The same thing about our good works, the same thing about our giving, the same thing about our prayers. We don't need to do them in public for other people to see us so that they look at us and think, oh man, they're super spiritual. The same way with our fasting. In Jesus' day, people may have fasted and they would have put, uh, they would have kind of put ash on their face or something like that to disfigure them and, and to make them look like they're really weak and everything because of, of fasting. No, Jesus says, when you fast, don't draw attention to yourself. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and fa their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and, your, and wash your face, that your fasting may, be seen, may not be seen by others, but your Father who sees, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. A couple of things to notice here. Again, just like what we saw a while back ago, there is an expectation that New Testament believers will fast. We don't do it often. Today, I wish I did more. Um, this is something I, I can grow in. 
But he does expect New Testament believers to fast. And also, he says not to tell anybody about it. Maybe that's one reason why we don't do it much. <laughs> on the one hand, because we don't talk about it, we don't, it's not on our mind. And so we don't do it. Or, maybe it's because we don't do it because the motivation for doing it would be to get others to see us. One way or the other, I think Jesus does teach us to fast. But if we do so, the warning He's given here is don't do it so that we'll be seen by others. If we fast, do so out of a desire to to please God and to show we're hungry for Him. And then we want Him to break into our lives and do something. And He who sees in secret will reward us. Now, we've seen don't serve for self-centered incentive. Don't pray like the hypocrites and heathens. Don't fast with a frowny face. And don't store up short-term stuff. Here Jesus says in verse 19, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth for where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Our temptation in this world is often to get things for this life. To get see how much money we can build up in the bank, to see how much stuff we can get, to uh, accumulate the biggest houses, cars, um, biggest 401k we can accomplish. Jesus here says, don't lay up for ourselves treasures here on earth. Send it ahead. <laughs> We're going to die one day. Lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. The, the stuff of this earth, moth, you know, it, it clothes will be eaten by moths. Um, rust will destroy all of our cars and things like that. Fires can destroy our houses and things like that. It all passes away. But the things that we do the things that we give sends our treasure ahead of us. When we, when we give, it shows where our heart is. When we, we give generously to other people, when we're helping other people, and when we give uh, to see the Gospel spread throughout the world, when we give to missions, and when we give to, to uh, our, our, our church to see the Gospel lived out here in the community, we're doing so so that our to show that our treasure is not here in, on earth, but our treasure is in heaven. 
Now this eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body thing. I find that really kind of difficult, and because we're not going really in deep into the, all the all the details of this, I'm going to just kind of pass over that text. If we have questions about it, I'd love to talk with you about it later. But right now, we're going to skip it. Verse twenty-four: No one can serve two masters, for he will, either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think this goes together with laying up ourselves treasures in heavens and not on earth. We can live... We, you know, like, like I said earlier, Bob Dylan, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. You can't serve two masters. You can work and labor and do all that you do in order to get money or you can do it for God's glory. You can't do both. So after don't serve for short-term stuff, finally we'll close with don't fear fleeting foods. Don't fear for fleeting foods. I know, that was kind of a stretch. Do not be anxious. Verse uh, 25, he says... Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about the body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will, not, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So often we can be worried about stuff of this world, the stuff of, of our lives. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. We trust, we live on trust that He will take care of our needs. We don't have to worry, we don't have to be anxious. And you know what? All of us struggle with anxiety. All of us struggle with anxiety and worry. I'm on medicine for it, and I'm not the only one in here on medicine for it. All of us struggle with anxiety. Now, Jesus tells us, or the, the Bible tells us, cast all your anxieties upon Him, for He cares for us. I think one of my favorite sayings uh, from John Piper about that verse is, we can't cast them if we don't have them. It's a given. We're going to be anxious. We're going to have worry. We're going to have anxiety. But you know what? We can give it to Him. 
You can cast it on Him. He promises us. He, he, goes, he argues here from the lesser to the greater. He gives an example from nature. He looks at the birds. You go look at the birds out in the snow. God takes care of them. And He tells us to look at that example in nature. God takes care of the birds. He makes sure they don't go hungry. And if He does that for them, we can trust He's going to do it for us. His children. How much more will He do so for us? Like it's an argument for the lesser to the greater. If He does that for just little birds that are insignificant, how much more will He do for us children of His who He sent His Son for to die for? If, he's, if He went to the extent to send His Son to earth to die in the place of our sins, to redeem us and to make us His own and adopt us as His children, <coughs> then how much more can we trust that He'll take care of We have plenty to eat and drink and clothes on our back. <coughs> With clothing, He uses a similar analogy. He points to the, to the lilies, to the flowers. And, and, and you can think of all the beautiful flowers. You can think of roses and lilies and, and carnations and all of those things and, and how beautiful they are. And God says, if, if those things can be beautiful, not even Solomon in all of his glory. Solomon, this great, rich, wise king from the Old Testament. Not even him was dressed as finely as the beautiful flowers that God makes. <coughs> and if God so clothes the flowers, we know that He can take care of us. The other thing He says here is, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. We don't need to be like we were before we came to know Jesus. When our lives were consumed with getting stuff and getting things for ourselves, no. Our lives are no longer characterized like they were before. Instead, we trust. We trust that God will take care of every need we have. We may not know where it's coming from. And it doesn't mean we don't do wise planning. Proverbs tells us, be like the ant, you know, who stores up so that whenever the winter comes, you know, he's not saying be stupid. He's not saying don't, don't plan for the future. But we don't have to worry. Because he takes care of everything we need. And finally, I'm going to look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, we, many of us, have probably heard the song, sang it as children. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. It's a memorable way to remember this verse. 
Our priority needs to be seeking God, seeking His kingdom. And we trust that when we're doing that, He's going to take care of all the rest. Our priority is seeking Him, seeking His face, and He'll take care of the rest. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.